Um, so we met, I was a freshman in high school, he was a sophomore in high school, so we're one year apart. We actually didn't start dating until the end of high school, and um, if you ask Ricky, he wanted to start dating much sooner than that, <laughs> but um, we were both very immature, honestly, you know, high school, if you remember back when you were in high school, I'm sure you can say the same about yourselves, but we were both very immature. I definitely was not ready for relationships, so we quote-unquote talked off and on. We were in the talking stage, and we never left the talking stage for many, many years. We would talk, and then I would cut it off. I was so terrible, but we would talk, and I would cut it off, talk, and I would cut it off. So um, I remember one day, it was right before we started dating. It was the end of my junior year. Um, we were both in this club called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Many of you have probably heard of it. Um, and so we were I was attending FCA, and Ricky was an FCA leader. And so he was actually giving the message that day. And I remember this voice in my head, and it just said, why haven't you given him a chance? He is such a great guy. He loves the Lord. What are you doing? So I was just like, ooh, okay. So I just had this nudge in my heart to contact him, start trying to talk to him again, and just give him a chance, because why not? He loved the Lord. He is a great guy. So I reached out to him with all my faith, <laughs> tried to start talking again. He was very confused, because he was like, oh, Lord, she's just going to talk to me again and shut me down. Like, why, why is she doing this? So um, we were officially talking, I guess, again for quite some time. Um, we actually you know, ended up actually going on a few dates this time. So he, he left the texting zone. We got to go <laughs> on a few dates. And um, we officially became official on April 12, 2015. And we've been going strong ever since. Um, so we officially started dating. And we actually went to our first prom just like a week later after we started dating. And then sadly, he graduated like a couple weeks later. So uh, we were together all throughout high school, but we didn't actually date till the very end. So super sad, but at least we started dating. So he went off to college. Um, he went to a place called Marshall University in West Virginia, and it was about two hours from our hometown. So we actually did long distance for a year, but Ricky is such a trooper. Let me tell you, he was dedicated. He was so dedicated to making our relationship work. He drove in almost every weekend just to see me for like a few hours. And then he would drive back those two hours back to Marshall and do it all over again. So he did that almost every single weekend just to make our relationship work, which is so sweet to look back on. Um, and so he was just very, very dedicated and persistent and I appreciate that <laughs> about him. Um, and so fast forward to college, my freshman year, Ricky actually ended up transferring to Fairmont State University to play baseball. And I actually ended up going to college there too. So no more long distance, we were in college together, and Ricky was actually super determined to um, find a campus ministry and get involved. He was joining the baseball team, and we know with joining any sports teams comes all kinds of temptations and things, so he just wanted to get plugged into a community right away and find a good group of friends. Um, so he got plugged in. He is way more extrovert than I am. Most of you probably know that. I'm super introvert. He is he can talk to anybody. He's awesome. Um, so he got involved right away. I, on the other hand, did not get involved right away. Um, it's actually a funny story. We actually came to college with like five of our friends from high school. So I was just being the homebody that I am. I just stuck with my comfort zone friends and 
we did everything together. Ricky was thriving. He had like the baseball team. He had his life group. He had Chi Alpha. And I was just like, hey, I'm going to stick with these friends because I know them and it's comfortable. And um, honestly, Chi Alpha at first was really overwhelming for me. I grew up in just a small Baptist traditional sing out of the hymns church. And so um, coming to Chi Alpha my freshman year was a lot with a worship team and full-on worship. It was just a lot. So me and my extroverted self did not get involved for a somewhat of time. But um, so eventually we came back for the second semester of school and all five of those friends that came with us from high school actually transferred, dropped out, they were gone. <laughs> Nobody was left. It was just me and Ricky. So um, that was really hard for me, honestly, because, you know, Ricky, like I said, he was thriving. He had his baseball team. He had Chi Alpha. He had a small group. And now here I am. My comfort zone friends are all gone. So all I had was Ricky, which is great. I loved him, but I discovered I need more than just Ricky. Ricky cannot fulfill every need in my life. Um, and I actually learned this awesome quote later once I got involved in Chi Alpha, and it says, only God can bear the weight of your worship. And at the time, I did not really notice that I was doing this, but I was definitely bearing all the weight of my worship onto one person, Ricky. And I feel like a lot of times in life, we do this. We, without even knowing, we put all the weight of our worship onto our significant other or whoever we're closest with in life, um, a friend, family member, whoever it may be. And we as humans, we just can't handle that. We weren't meant to bear that weight. Only God was meant to bear that weight. Um, and so humans are always going to fail us. They're never going to meet every need that we ever have. And so um, I quickly realized I need some friends too. <laughs> so I swallowed my pride and I um, eventually went to Chi Alpha, joined a small group. And I didn't know this at the time. It's actually really sweet. Ricky and his life group, um, they knew I was struggling with this and they were praying for me to just meet one friend. And I did not know that at the time. But throughout Chi Alpha, I met so much more than one friend. I met lifelong friends. So it's just really sweet how far that, that prayer can go and how powerful that prayer was. Um, that they just prayed that I would meet one person. And I ended up meeting lifelong friends that I'm still friends with today. Um, so it was really awesome. We got involved in Chi Alpha. Um, we both ended up leading small groups. So that was super sweet to see um, both of us just discipling guys and girls and um, just growing closer to the Lord together and in our own personal relationships. Um, we learned so much in Chi Alpha, but I think the biggest thing that we learned really as a couple is that we need to have our own personal relationship with God. I can't just live off of Ricky's relationship with God and expect it to just carry me along, and he can't just expect to live off of my relationship with God and expect it to carry him along. Um, so Chi Alpha really taught us we need our own personal walks with God separate from each other and that God needs to be the center of our relationships. So in college, we really started to date with purpose. We started to date with marriage, um, the goal of marriage one day. Um, and so we just gave our relationship over to the Lord. And, you know, there were ups and downs, but we tried every single day to live with God at the center of our relationship. And we also learned that it is so important that we have separate communities um, because, you know, I'm not saying that our communities never mixed. His friends were definitely my friends. My friends were his friends. But we, we learned that we needed, I needed girls that I could go and confide in 
that wasn't Ricky. Um, I could go to girls and confide into them and that we could pray together. They could pray over me. They could speak life over me. Ricky needed his own guy time where he could go to guys and confide in them, get prayed over, get spoken over. So we learned the importance of just having our own separate communities and just the importance of we're not each other's everything. We need God and we need community. Um, so that was just something, a huge lesson we learned in Chi Alpha. We ended up getting engaged my junior year of college. So we got engaged. Um, we planned our wedding for almost two years. And then, of course, 2020 happened. It was COVID. Of course, that was the time <laughs> that we were supposed to get married. But God has just been so incredibly faithful throughout it all. Um, we actually ended up having a more beautiful wedding than we ever could have planned. We got, um, it's, a, it's its own testimony in itself and for another day, but we got um, a more beautiful venue than we could have ever imagined. We had an intimate ceremony with just our immediate family and God in the center of it. And so it just turned out so much more beautiful than we ever could have asked for. And um, so we got married and even throughout our relationship, we've just had to really trust the Lord. And Ricky's just really, he had to trust the Lord in deciding to go to, into Chi Alpha instead of his dream of going into physical therapy school. And so that was a big leap of faith for us, living off of support instead of going to physical therapy school and taking that route and making all that money. We chose to trust the Lord and what he was calling Ricky to and live off of support and trust that the Lord would provide for us. And he always has. He's always provided more than we ever could have asked for. And even in moving here, the Lord has just been so good. He provided us a beautiful home um, that we could have never imagined having at this point in our lives. So we're just so thankful, and um, God has just done so much in our relationship. I'm just so thankful that um, he gave me Ricky as a husband and just gave me such a godly husband to lead our house and our future family. And yeah, I know that he has an awesome word for you guys tonight. He has a lot of wisdom in it, and I'm really excited to hear him share. So give it up for Ricky. Wow, that was really good. Um, I asked if she could talk for five minutes, and she blew it away. So I think I'm just going to pray and close this out. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I know that she painted me out to be um, this amazing, godly um, husband and, and boyfriend and all, and I um, certainly try to live like that. Um, but the message that I have today was honestly birthed out of most of my failures. Uh, most of the times where I didn't put God first in my relationships or in my life, and I followed my own, um, like the desires of my heart and not, not the desires of God. And I felt like um, I grew up in church, you know, but it, it just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't really understand the biblical definition, um, the biblical outlook of relationships, the biblical outlook of what sex was, all of those things, like I had a worldly view of it because the church didn't talk about it. So tonight, like, we're going to talk about hard things, but that's because we have to. Because if we don't talk about it, other people will. Um, and so I want you guys to, to know the Bible and to know Scripture and to know um, what, um, you know, yeah, to be able to, like, combat what the world says and know, no, I know the Bible, I know God's Word is true, and this is what he says about it, right? So, man, I'm really bummed. We had an elaborate slideshow planned out that I spent all afternoon on, um, and... 
Can I just say how gracious God is? Um, Sierra talked about our house um, and moving here and the dream of physical therapy school, and it just hit me, you know. When I was in college, I had this awesome plan. Um, I had multiple of them, actually. I had already um, applied to, to DO school, and already applied to PT school, and I was accepted, and I was like ready to go. Um, and I just felt this conviction and a desire to do something different. You know, I had been leading a small group for the past couple years, and it felt like the most important thing in my life was discipling guys and, and helping them find their place in heaven and find their place in eternity. And it was really hard for me to leave that. Um, but I really had a hard time committing to live off support. And I'm standing here to tell you today that I'm 24. I would still be in grad school. I would still be in physical therapy school or DO school, either one. Um, and I'm already married. I already have a house. We have zero um, credit card debt, zero debt of any of that type um, outside of you know housing loans and stuff like that. Um, and God's just been amazing. Like He's provided for me a full budget. He's provided everything I need. There's nothing that I'm lacking, you know. And I don't want. I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel. I'm not saying He's made me rich by any means. Like we budget, we steward well what He gives us, but we don't lack. Um, and I cannot be more thankful for that. So that's just really cool, right? Like when when you really do put God in the center of your relationship, um, and not saying that everyone needs to be a missionary, but whatever you you and your husband or you and your wife do together. When, when you put God in the center of that and let him play it out, you will see um, him just show up in ways that you wouldn't think was possible. So I'm going to go ahead and move into the, oh, no, I'm not. See, I forgot the slideshow. Um, so even through my sins, even through all of my failures, um, I, I messed up a lot as, as, you know, pre-dating Sierra. I messed up a lot in our relationship. Um, but I, I kept having this thing that, like, kept running back to God. Um, and... There was times when I did a really awesome job at it, um, but I mean, we dated for like seven years before we got married. So um, especially at the beginning, you know, there were seasons where I wasn't, I, I didn't really know how to live for God. Um, and God has just been so gracious and so generous. Um, we have an awesome dog. We have an awesome house. We have an awesome life together. And I have a picture that I was so excited to show you guys, but I can't, but you're just gonna have to trust me. We. You guys can't say anything, okay? Nobody can know. Nobody can know. We are expecting a baby in September. And we had our first appointment yesterday. Everything looks good so far. We saw the heartbeat. Um, and just seeing all that, um, it's just reminded me of how good God has been. And we are just so excited. Um, and we wanted to share that with you guys tonight so that you can see, like, putting God in the center of your relationship, it just comes out so much better than you, you could imagine, right? And to be honest, I felt like I had a really hard time with this sermon. And I think it's a combination of knowing the weight of it, knowing the weight of how we view relationships, how we view um, sex and all of those things. And at this age in our life, how the world views it, like how we're told to view it, um, how much people struggle with it, and also knowing my own um, testimony, right? Like, I, it's almost like inadequate to talk about it. Um, but I've kind of prepared this sermon in a way of like things I wish I would have known in growing up, things I wish I would things I wish, wish the church would have explained to me, would have told me. Um, and it's not their fault, but like, so that's kind of where this is coming from. We're going to talk about a passage 
and then we're going to move on and just talk about like six or seven pointers, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and pray. The, the first uh, passage I'm going to read from is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 14. Um, you might want to look that up because I, ha- I can't put it on the screen. But I'm going to go ahead and pray into um, us receiving the word. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, God, and thank you for this chance to talk about relationships and just continue this relationship series, God. And I pray that it is so beneficial for us to hear and to receive. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, God, and a heart to follow anything that you're speaking to us tonight. God, I pray that you truly speak through me, God, that um, I don't convince people with wisdom or I don't convince um, them with persuasion, God, but that they truly hear from the living God, the God that is currently in heaven right now, that you would just come down and that you would interact with us tonight, God, and that you would transform us and make us new. Um, God, we give this night to you, and just, God, we pray and long for you to do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to read three verses, and um, honestly, they're kind of confusing, so we're just going to read them, and I'm going to try to break them down. Give you guys a second to uh, get there. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. So I'm reading in the Amplified Version, which just um, explains a couple things as we go. Um, So there's a couple extra parentheses in there. So we're going to start in verse 12. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And these letters are known for kind of like more of an aggressive tone because he's frustrated with them and the way they're living. Uh, They just are not, they are not thriving as a church, let's be honest. They have just a lot of stuff they need to work through. So um, this, Paul's kind of addressing their desires, um, and he's trying to give them this illustration and explain to them, Um, and and it relates back to sexual immorality, all right? So verse 12, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything, meaning brought under its power, allowing to control me. Verse 13, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body, to save, sanctify, and raise again because of the sacrifice of the cross. Um, That that parenthesis is part of the Amplified Translation. And God has not only raised the Lord to life, but will also raise us up by his power. Okay. God, we just ask for you to open our eyes and help us um, to see this passage the way that you would have us see it, um, and that you would uh, just help us to break it down and study it, in Jesus' name. Okay, so when I read this passage, I'm like, that's a lot. (laughs) What is going on, right? Um, Paul's saying, you know, everything's allowed, but not everything is beneficial. Everything's allowed, but I'm not going to be enslaved by anything. What does that mean? What he's saying is, just because you have the right to do something, doesn't mean it's good for you, okay? So um, we can take that analogy a lot of different ways, but, you know, just because you have the right or ability to do something doesn't mean it's good for you. And I think if you look back on, if you talk to any addict of anything and you ask them, like, they they would tell you, I don't know how I got here. You know, they just tried a cigarette with a friend when they were 17, and now they're 20 or 40 cigarettes a day for 20 or 30 years, and they would say, I don't know how I got here, right? Because they let something enslave them. Um, so when we talk about that first verse, that's what it's talking about. Like Paul saying, I'm not going to open the door to allow anything into my life 
that could be that could make me a slave to it other than God, right? He, he doesn't want any worldly thing corrupting him. Moving on to 13, and this is where we kind of need to um, understand a little bit. He's saying, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them, okay? What does that mean? So food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. Well, we know that when it says God will do away with both of them, he's talking about eternity. He's talking about in heaven, we will have a glorified body. We won't have to eat um, to live, right? But we know here on earth, we do. You can only go 40-ish days without food. Eventually, you're going to have to eat to live. So it is true, food is for the body and the body is for food. You need food to live. Okay, and he goes on further. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Okay, so he's, I think I understand, right? Like we see the body is meant for food. Okay, so when we're hungry, we eat. That makes sense, right? We're hungry, we eat. Paul's saying that's okay. But when you're horny, that's not what the body's meant for, right? That is not a desire that we're supposed to go and quench. We need, we need food to live, but we don't need that to live. And that's what he's saying. He's, because these, the Corinthians were used to controlling their nat- or taking their natural desires into their own hands. Right? If they were hungry, they were going to eat. And they thought this natural desire was the same as eating or drinking. But, but it's not. And even in today, our culture kind of says the same thing, right? It's totally okay to just call somebody up, hit up Tinder, like go look on the internet. Any of these things, it's super accessible. Literally, you just swipe right or swipe left. I don't know which one. I, don't, I actually don't know. Um, so it's just super accessible, right? But Paul is saying, like, that's not what the body was meant for. You, you, can't, you can't quench the appetite of lust like you would food. So you, we can't have the same response when we're hungry versus when we're horny, right? And, and you're like, okay, well, what does that even mean, sexual immorality? What, what does that mean I can do? What does that mean I can't do, right? Because if you don't understand that part, none of it makes any sense. So it's important to know that that word immorality, what, what it meant in, in their time, our definition, the way we would view immorality doesn't really do it justice. We would probably think bad, right? Like we shouldn't do that. Um, that word, the Greek word for that is actually pornea, literally the word that we got pornography from, and it means the selling off of something extremely valuable for cheap. Wow, right? The selling off of something extremely valuable for cheap. See, God created you. He created your body for a purpose and a specific reason. He created you for somebody else when you get married one day. And, and what he's saying is your body was meant for that, right? Because God loves you so much. He, he designed this special thing that connects you with only one person. And that's what your body was meant for. And when God is in the center of your relationship, when, when you find the, the spouse that you're going to marry, like, that takes you so much deeper, and it forms this covenant that can't be broken or shouldn't be broken, right? But, but when we're in high school, we, have, we don't realize that. We just know that one is that, that the church says we're not supposed to do it. And it creates this, like, trying and within us to, to fulfill that, right, trying to not give in to temptation. But if you look back at that verse, if I can find it, it says, the body is not intended for sexual immorality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God has not only the power, or not, 
And God has not only raised the Lord to life, but will also raise us up to life by his power. So we don't have to try harder not to succumb to temptation. God will do the work for us. And that's kind of what we're going to get to as we conclude tonight. God will do that for us. So, yeah, I just felt like that was something that needed, needed shared. That passage has been on my heart, and um, even Sierra last night kind of showed it to me, and it was something that I'd already looked at once before, and so I added it in last minute. And I think um, that's just a helpful new way to look at it. Like, our bodies are made for so much more. They are the Lord's. God created us. Not only that, he bought us with a price, right? The price of his son, he bought us with that. Um, so why would we go and, and give ourselves away for something so cheap and meaningless just to satisfy us for a moment when God offers this everlasting satisfaction, this everlasting fulfillment and everlasting joy? Why would we trade that away for, for the satisfaction of a night? just doesn't make any sense. Okay, so here are just kind of six or seven things I wish I knew, I guess. Um, or even as I disciple people, I feel like they are the most common things that get brought up. Um, and I don't have them on the, on the board, so if you can take notes, um, take them. I'm, I'll try to state them a couple times over. But number one is I'll get the sexual morality part of it down when I'm married. I think that is a myth that is commonly believed. We, we think that we can live outside the lines and live outside the will of God for a season in college because it's our time to live it up, or for a season in high school because we're still young, and one day we'll get it right. Um, just kind of like in football, Jenny you know, has the field goal set up and the Super Bowl coming up, and to continue this football theme, when a player runs out of bounds on a kickoff or when an offensive receiver runs out of bounds um, trying to catch a pass, if they don't immediately step back in the field of play, it's a penalty. So if, if the defensive player pushes the um, special teams guy that's trying to make a tackle out of bounds and he runs down the sideline because it's an easier path to take, he doesn't have to fight the defender, the defender's like, I'll give you that because you're going to get a penalty and that ball is going to go backwards and that's good for us, <laughs> right? So what, it might be easier in the moment to live outside or live out of bounds. He doesn't have to push through the defender, but at the end of the play, he's going to get flagged for it. Um, and it's actually going to hurt his team. And I think we have that same mindset sometimes that we can live outside, live out of bounds for a season because it satisfies us, because it's easier. We don't have to say no to our desires and we'll just step back in bounds later. But that's not really what God has designed for us because he's given us the power to overcome all things. Um, and I think another myth that kind of spins off of that is, you know, it'll be easier when I'm married not to fall into temptation. I want to tell you emphatically that that is not true. That is definitely a lie from Satan. <laughs> um, temptation is not, it doesn't just go away when you're married. Not only that, like, if there's a problem with your foundation in your house, your house will crumble. So if you're building a relationship off of this hope that in three years when we get married, I'll finally be able to start living right, that's not gonna, you're, you're gonna, that's not gonna happen. Right, and now instead of hurting just yourself and, and just having the consequences for yourself, your whole family's gonna feel that. So I think a good helpful thing here is like knowledge equals responsibility. When, when you're made aware of something, when you, as you walk with God and as you learn new things, as people give you teachings, apply that to your life. Spend time with God, praying with God, like just pleading with him and, and pleading for the spirit to help change you. Because if we just 
hear it in one ear and it goes out the other, it, it does us no good. That's what James chapter 2 says. Like, what, is, what good does it do if you hear the word if you don't do it? Right? So when we become aware of something, we become responsible for that same thing. And I'm not trying to say you have to get it perfect after this sermon tonight. That's not real life. That wasn't real life for me. But as you walk with God, I'm confident that he's going to continue to make you new. But you have to, that's not completely passive, right? Like, there's still an active role in that. We have to spend time with him. We have to be intentional. We have to um, put ourselves in good situations. We can't make really bad choices. So um, that was just the, the first thing I wanted to hit on was that, um, you know, there's two lies often that sexual immorality, like I'll get it down when I'm married and it'll be easier um, when I'm married. The temptation will go away. Um, so here's another question that I probably get asked more than anything, and that is like, okay, well, what are the boundaries? Where should the boundaries be for a couple or friends, whatever? And I think, and I asked this question when I was, you know, a freshman, sophomore in college. This was like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I was trying to find the answer to this question, but oftentimes I feel like when I asked it, when people ask me it, we often are asking it with a completely false pretext. We're, we're going into the question like, what is the most I can get out of this situation or what's the farthest I can get to this line to like kind of satisfy my desires but also not cross the line completely, right? Um, and, I, and I think that's a really dangerous place to be. You know, we're, the point of boundaries is not so you can tiptoe that line. It's so you don't even get close to it, so you don't fall. Think about, think about a car, all right? If, if your car is not driving straight, or if the engine doesn't work, like maybe your wheels are out of a line, if it's just not driving straight at all, you can't just throw up a guardrail rail and expect the car to drive better. If you put up that guardrail, the car is still going to hit the guardrail. The only solution is finding someone to work on the car and get it running properly again. So we can't just put boundaries in our life without caring for our heart, without caring for our relationship with God and expect, oh, now my relationship's perfect, right? Because we're just going to burn with lust or burn with whatever that, that thing is. So the question in turn needs to be, you know, how can I truly keep my relationship godly before marriage? That's a really good question. And I think a great way to look at it is if we're not married, then this person is no more than a brother or sister in Christ, okay? So instead, the question should be, how can I treat this guy or girl as a brother and sister in Christ? How can I make every effort to keep them holy, to keep myself holy, to keep us from sinning, to grow closer to God, to lead them? Um, that should be our question and our focus. So I think when we look at it with the proper lens, um, it, it kind of answers the question for itself, right? Um, and it, there's not just one, one simple set of rules that I can give you. Like, I, I can't just tell you, don't go horizontal, don't go, you know, pass kissing, don't do X, Y, and Z, because you got to, it has to come from your heart. Like, your heart has to be seeking to please God, not seeking to get the most out of your, the situation, but still being kind of okay. <laughs> um, and I think oftentimes that's the way we look at it. I um, mean, remember, until you're married, like, that's all, like, dating, dating's not really in the Bible, right? It's, there's no instruction manual for dating, per se, um, be, because that, it's kind of like our new thing, right? So, I'm not saying that's, that's bad, like, dating can be a very good thing, but we can't look at, at dating as, like, a precursor to marriage in the way of, like, we get certain things. 
right? Like dating is, we should, we should both be working on ourselves and growing closer to God. We should both be like praying together, reading scripture together, hanging out in public, having a really deep friendship, but we're not like almost husband and wife, you know? And I think another lie, this isn't in my notes, but another lie that Sierra brought up to me last night was a lot of people think, well, you know, things have changed since the Bible time, so now it's okay to sleep with your girlfriend or boyfriend before marriage if you're planning to marry them. And that's also not, not true. First off, you have no idea if you'll actually marry them, so that can't be your reasoning. Second off, there's like a, a legal binding with marriage. Like there's legal documents, there's legal um, uh, certificates that, that come when you're married. Um, and then the act, the act of marriage is like a covenant, a consecration of like these two people are now together, right? And the Bible calls it, um, you know, he'll leave his mother and father and the two will become one. So it's like the joining. So we can't, we can't do that before we're actually married. Um, we, don't, we don't get those rights. Um, number three, what to look for in a relationship, or maybe it's a question that you need to ask yourself, like, what am I looking for in a relationship? What am I searching for? And I think there's two ways we can go about this. Um, I think sometimes we, we look for somebody that will fulfill our desires, maybe emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever. We, we look for somebody that will validate us, like, oh, if, you know, I don't have the confidence if I'm with this person, then I'll feel like I'm good enough. Then, I'll, then other people will look at me like, oh, he... He has a, a beautiful girlfriend or a hot boyfriend or whatever. Um, or we can, we can look for a partner that helps us fulfill all that God has for us, that's going to help us dominate on earth, that's going to do ministry alongside us, support us, partner with us, um, those, those types of things. And I think you know, when I was 17, yeah, I was 17 when me and Sarah started dating, I did not ask that question at all. I, I'll be honest. Like, I am incredibly lucky that I have Sierra as a partner in life and in ministry that when I'm with college students five out of seven nights a week, like she, she gets it. She understands that this isn't just a regular job. Like I'm doing this for a specific reason, that I'm doing this because God's called me to make a difference for eternity in this way. That would be really hard if I married somebody who didn't understand ministry or who didn't care about the mission of God. That would be impossible to balance. I would not get enough. I would, I would neglect work things um, and, and mission things, or I would neglect her. So finding, when you're searching for someone in a relationship, if they don't care about the mission of God and you're wanting to go into ministry or serve in the church, it's going to be really hard to convince them that you need to do that, right? You're going to get, you're probably going to get nagged a lot. <laughs> um, if, if you're looking for somebody and they don't care about righteousness, they don't care about their own relationship with God, that is not going to end well. You are not going to change them, I promise. 99 times out of 100, you will not change them. Um, so just like when you're looking for a relationship, you just have to remember to ask why. Like, what is it about this person that I like? Um, and just remember to, to truly find someone that you, you think will help you fulfill the call of God on your life, right, support you. And I think that's like the coolest part is about my marriage is we get to walk together you know, she's here on Tuesday night. She leads a small group on Thursday and works with six-year-olds all day long. Who does that, right? Like, who can do both while they're pregnant? Um, and she, but, like, if I didn't have that, my job here would be so much harder. Leading a, a small group would be so much harder, right? So don't settle. Don't, don't just take the attractive person. 
Don't just take the one that makes a lot of money. That will not leave you fulfilled in the end, and you will, like, you both will end up resenting each other because you feel like they're keeping you from doing what's most important to you, right? Um, number four, as I said earlier, your, your body was made for the Lord. So find someone that will treat you like it is, okay? So maybe, maybe this one would be called do not settle. Don't, don't settle for someone. Um, don't start a relationship with someone that is not striving after God. If they're just a nominal Christian and they will tell you, like, yeah, I believe in God, but that's the only evidence in their life for that, that is not a good person to start a relationship with if you're serious about your relationship with God. Um, I, I think they should be as close to God as you are or closer, um, ideally. And, and there's times when, you know, we might meet people who have only been saved for five or six months and they don't know everything. I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm talking about, like, are they truly striving after God? Do they, pour, like, do they invest in their relationship with him? Because if they're not, like Sierra talked about earlier, you're not going to be able to lead each other. You need to each have your own relationship with God. Um, number five, how do I fight temptation? How do I fight temptation? I think sometimes we feel like, especially in, in this area, that temptation is just over, overwhelming and it's hard to overcome. Um, and I think Paul gives us a good kind of direction for this. Um, in that same passage we read earlier, 1 Corinthians 6, um, just a few verses down in 18, he says, Run! Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person can, commits a sin against his own body. So he doesn't say, like, sit there and suffer. <laughs> he doesn't say, sit there and just try to say no and hold on really, really, really hard. He says run, like run the opposite direction. So when we're being tempted by things of the world, we need to run to God. Um, if, if you feel temptation in your relationship or in your own private life, the, the best thing you can do is to find God's presence, whether that's through worship, whether that's through reading the word, whether that's through prayer, a combination, or maybe your small group. Um, and you don't have to like every time be super specific about what's going on, but you just want to get after God, want to get with godly people and want to get in the presence of God. And I think that is the best way to fight temptation because we can't just sit there and just try to say no, try to say no, try to say no, because eventually that wall is going to break down, right? But if we run back to God, he can kind of enter in that situation. Um, number six, um, I think it's healthy to take dating one day at a time. I think it's hard to look at um, dating, especially when we're in college and maybe you're thinking about grad school or med school and you're like, well, I can't get married until I'm done with school, so it's going to be seven years. Um, I think it's going to be really hard to honor God with your relationship in that way if you're constantly thinking about how long you have to stay pure and stay holy and to keep your relationship godly before you can marry. But if you take it one day at a time, like, okay, God, what do I need to do today to honor you? How can, how can I resist temptation to just today, you know, just give God that one day, and like, just take it one day at a time, that's all we have to do, um, yeah, so I want you guys to respond in small groups a little bit, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pause, but like, I just wanted to encourage you, um, marriage has been the coolest thing in, in my life, right, because I, I felt like I messed up a lot growing up, and I messed up a lot, um, you know, at the beginning of college, and I've just got to see God's grace play out in our life, in our family, 
um, and I've, I've got to have a partner who supports me in ministry. Um, I can support her that we can like pray for each other, pour into each other. And that's what I want you guys to be able to find, right? So how you go about finding a partner, how you, you know, handle each other and talk to each other and lead each other while you're dating, all of those things are super important. And you guys have this really cool opportunity while you're in college to use all of this time to prepare your hearts and prepare yourself for um, the rest of your life. You, you get a lot of time to just kind of learn, learn new things, grow closer to God, have an awesome community. Like you guys get way more time to spend with your small groups and one another than you will for the rest of your life. Go look at any church and the small group will not look the way a college small group was because we do community really well. It's, it's natural in college to have a good community. So use that community to your advantage. Use that community to grow closer to God. Another thing I want to encourage you guys is, is pray prayers for your spouse, even if you're not dating anybody yet. Pray, pray for yourself and how you'll treat him or how you'll treat her and, and pray for them. Um, and I think that goes a really long way. And those are, those, those are things I never did because I started dating Sarah at 17. Um, so I didn't really pray for her before I met her in, in that way. Um, but even if you're not dating someone right now, it's not too soon to start praying for your future spouse. Uh, and I just, you know, as you think about, you know, dating and, and choosing the right one, don't, don't think about who's the most attractive, who makes the most money. You know, think about somebody that you're literally going to steal souls from hell with, right? That you two will be a power couple, that you two will will reach communities, and it doesn't have to look like you and, and her being a pastor or you and him being a pastor. You can do it in any job. Just to find someone that you know is going to support the call of God on your life and the mission of God in his church. And that is, I don't know, I think that is the, the most important thing we can ask for. Um, I think my fear when I preach is that if I convince you or say the right thing, you know, that it will go well and I'll talk you into living out the sermon, right? But there's a verse um, in the New Testament that talks about how we, we don't want preaching off of the wisdom of men, right? And so what I mean by that is I truly want you guys to experience God himself, the Spirit of God coming and transforming us. Um, and, I, and there's this verse in 2 Peter 2.22. I'm going to read it. It's going to sound a little weird, but I'll explain it. It says, a dog returns to its vomit, and a pig that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. And I've literally seen that happen. I have a dog that constantly throws up, and almost every time I have to pull her by her skin and keep her from eating her own throw up. And I think we all know that pigs love mud, so I don't have to explain that either. So we've literally seen that happen, and you're like, what the heck does that have to do with today? Why does a pig run to the mud even after it's clean? It's a pig, right? That's all it knows. So unless that pig is something else, it's going to keep running back to the mud. And what, what he's trying to say in that passage is, unless we become something new, we're going to run back to the mud. If God doesn't change our nature, we're going to run back to the mud, and we're going to get muddy again. And I'm not saying that you'll never have any dirt again in your life if, if you give it over to God. But, like, you'll get your feet dirty. But when you get your feet dirty, you're going to hate it, and you're going to want washed and cleaned. And I think oftentimes we in church just kind of want to spray you off and send you back out into the world. And we hope that enough motivational speeches and enough sermons and all the right things. Not that, not that anybody's trying to do that, but we kind of 
let that happen, right? Because we try to do so much on our own strength that we'll just keep washing you off and cleaning you off. But eventually, you're going to miss a week or you're going to, your temptations are going to come up, you're going to go through hard times, and you're going to find that mud again because that's all you know. So in our life, if that's all we know, no matter how hard we try to do relationships right or to do anything right, eventually we're going to run back to the mud if we don't let God create us a new thing that no longer wants that, right? Like our nature has to change and our desires have to change so that we don't return. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So Paul's still talking to the same group of people we talked to at the beginning, the Corinthians, there are Henri, and he's basically saying, why are you still living this way? Like the old way of your life should have died because God has raised you up. Like he's made you this new thing. Um, and I truly have seen so much growth in you guys this year that I feel like God is doing such amazing work in, in so many people. He's creating new things in us each and every day. He's growing us in our relationship with him. He's growing us with one another. And, like, that's what we have to do. That's what we have to keep fighting for is for God to show himself to you, for you guys to, to want to have your own devotional life. And, like, we don't have to push you to do those things. Like, what else would I do with my morning other than read the living word of God, right? Like, we don't want to have to spoon feed it to you. And you guys are getting to that place. We've seen so much growth. And there's guys in my small group texting me and telling me what they've read um, or telling me, like, I've overcome X, Y, and Z. Like, we've just seen so much. And that's just, that's so encouraging. And I just want to, you know, encourage you guys that we've, we've been doing this. Like, we've been seeing new life come. We've watched a bunch of guys this week get baptized. Um, shout out to Cole, Trey, and Michael. Um, and, like, we're just excited for what God's doing, but we got to keep going. Like, we don't want to stop. We want to let God continue to do new things in us um, and continue to keep us from that mud. So tonight we're going to respond a little bit different. We're actually going to respond in small groups. So um, if you came and you do not have a small group that you normally go to, this would be an amazing time for you to meet some small group people and some leaders and get you plugged in. Um, and Oh, the question's not going to be up. Okay, so um, yeah, I'll write down the question. But basically we're just going to meet. Like I encourage you guys to be vulnerable, but you don't have to be you know, incredibly specific about every detail, but like be vulnerable about what God's speaking to you about in your life and in your heart. Um, and we really just want, you know, want to grow together as a community and want to see you guys transformed. Um, so the main question I think we're going to talk about in, in this, can you guys write it down? The small group leaders at least. What area of my life, especially my relationships, or search for a relationship have I not given over to God yet? What area of my life, especially in my relationships or in my search of a relationship, have I not given over to God yet? So that's what we're going to talk about in our small groups. Um, you know, I want you to encourage you guys to just use this time to grow closer to one another um, and truly pray for each other. That's the second thing we're going to do. We're going to Talk about that question, and then we're going to pray for each other, and I am believing that that'll, like, opening up to people, the closest people around you, and then praying those things over you want one another, praying for new life to happen, praying for transformation, that you guys will see um, true transformation. So those are the two things you'll do. Um, you can just kind of spread out across the room. Um, I'll be, like, my small group guys can come with me, 
And then if you need a small group, please just join one. Like we would love to get you connected. And we'll pray together and then I'll come back up and close this out. All right, guys. Um, if there's a few of you guys still praying, that's totally okay. I'm going to go ahead and close this out in prayer. But um, if, if your small group's still debriefing and praying, that's you know perfectly fine. Just don't let me stop you. I did want to add one thing to um, the thought tonight, though, and, and that's, you know, there can be a lot of shame associated with topics like this uh, when we bring up things of the past, when we bring up relationships, and that's the last thing that I'm looking for. Um, as we talk about Christ making us a new creation and transforming our life, what he accomplished on the cross was a, for, was a forgiveness that he offered that only he can offer, and he traded places with us. So if there is a past that you feel like it's already too late for me and I can't, I can't do those things, like I've already messed up too many times, it's not over. Like God is, God is able and willing to forgive. Like he, he wants to forgive you. He wants you to grow closer um, to him and, and find that freedom. Um, so I don't want you to walk out of here hanging your head like I've already messed up and it's too late for me. There was complete restoration and complete forgiveness in that. And I just felt like I needed to add that um, as some encouragement to you guys. Um, so I'm just going to pray for us, close this out. And if you're still talking and praying, just keep going. Dear God, we thank you um, so much for this day, God. I pray um, that we just remember um, anything that you revealed to us tonight as we move forward. God, that you would soften our hearts in the days to come, God. And anything that you're trying to remove from us, God, any, um, anything that we're trying to hold on to, God, I pray that we would hand that over to you. God, that you would bestow grace, bestow strength and power to overcome any temptation in our life, God, to overcome anything that we need to give up. God, and that you would just continually create new things in us, God, create new um, things in us that keep us from running back to, to ways that don't satisfy us and, and to things that don't fulfill us. God, I pray that you would um, help us to get our hearts ready, God, so that when we, we do date, when we do find the one, um, God, that we can be a complete version of ourselves, God, and that we can each have a relationship with you. God, I pray for us to know your voice, God, and and discern um, in each and every situation um, if, if it's something we should do or not, God. And I just um, ask once again for your spirit to come and transform us tonight, um, God, and to leave here with us, strengthening us and giving us grace. We love you, God, and we just thank you and we ask for your strength, God, throughout the rest of this week and school year. In Jesus' name, amen.